0: new generation is being raised by the Spirit of God, from the birth pangs of the Spirit to become God's tool to bring about the actualization of the end-time agenda of God. When this pandemic started, a lot of people saw it more as a health pandemic. But we have come to realize right now that it's not just a health pandemic, it's also a relational pandemic. It has not just been a relational pandemic, but it's also a financial pandemic. It has not just been a financial pandemic, but it has also ended up becoming a spiritual pandemic. I'm a little over 50. And in the course of my lifetime, I have never, I've been in church 32 years as a born again Christian. I've been in church for about 40 something years as a nominal Christian before I got born again. I have never in my lifetime seen a time when churches were locked down and physical gatherings were not accepted. But what has happened in the course of this lockdown is that it has come to reveal that we have a lot of people that are in church, but they are not in God. We have a lot of people that have a relationship with church, a relationship with pastors, but they do not have a relationship with God. And Because they do not have a relationship with God, what has happened is that the COVID-19 lockdown have disconnected a lot of people from God, disconnected a lot of people from the covenant, and we now have a lot of people that are like stray dogs and stray animals moving around without direction. But I'm trusting God that as a result of our time together today and how many we rise up from this meeting, that we go forth becoming an instrument in the hand of God to steer up revival and steer up restoration so that the church of God can become what God wants the church to become. A lot of people have not realized the power of the local church up until now. In the last few years, a lot of people have been fighting against the local church. Must we go to church? Is church really that important? Can't we serve God from anywhere? Not knowing that the local church is the coordinating system of the kingdom of God. Not knowing that the local church is the powerhouse that recruits, empowers, and releases people to be able to fulfill the agenda of God. Not knowing that the local church is the strengthening point of their religious and Christianity work with God. Because the Bible said they go from strength to strength, all those that appear before the Lord is iron. But by virtue of the lockdown, church continue to move on on social media, in homes, people continue to meet. But that power that the local church has was affected, and it has affected the life of a lot of people. In the last six, seven months of lockdown, there are people that have been born again for 10 years, 15 years. In the last six months, they have not spent one day fasting. In the last six months, they have been not read Bible as they used to. In the last six months, they have not spent one day in vigil. In the last six months, they have not not given offerings. Why? Because the local church is not there. And they did not realize that being disconnected from that is disconnecting them from destiny and disconnecting them from what God has in store for them. And right now that the church is beginning to come back, we have a new group of people thinking, oh, why don't we continue the way we are, listening and listening well. If you continue the way you are, you only continue to get the results you have always been getting. And that's why today we are having this school of commitment, because God is looking for a man. God is looking for a woman. God is looking for committed vessels, kingdom vessels, that will become an instrument in his hand to bring about the manifestation of his purpose for our lives. The Bible says the world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, not the manifestation of the children of God. Because children cannot deliver the dominion mandate. You need to move from immaturity of children to the maturity of sons to become an instrument in the hand of God that can be used to bring about the purpose of God. So if you are listening to me right now, I'm so grateful to God that you took advantage of the opportunity made available by the man of God and the woman of God to connect to this. Because I know that even in this house, there are people that should be here right now that are not here. There are people that that should be connected to this training right now that are not here why because somewhere along the line the enemy has. Suffered. but i'm trusting god that by virtue of this encounter eternal turnaround is coming and a fire of revival will begin to spread that will bring the church to the place where god wants the church to be the module are the scriptural foundations versus involvement dichotomy number three the levels of commitments so the modules in this course are scriptural foundation and definition the commitment versus involvement dichotomy, the levels of commitment, the journey of commitment, truths about commitment, elements of total commitment, the triggers of commitment, the killers of commitment, and the seven culture of commitment, and on and on and on. So within the brevity of time that we have available, let's see how far we can go. I want us to begin with the scripture to establish from the word of God how that being a man or a woman of commitment is part of the purpose of God for our lives and what God expects of us. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, I'm going to read from the New King James Version, the Amplified Version, and the Message Translation. Translation, the word of God declares, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, this is Jesus. This is God. This is heaven speaking to his church. This is a letter written to the seven churches. So this is not a letter written to unbelievers. God is talking to his church. And he's saying to his own church, he's saying, I know your works. The pastor may not know you. The ministers may not know you. Individuals may not know but I am God. I know you. I know your works. And I know the level you are operating in. He said, I wish that you are hot or cold. I would like you to be defined. If you are hot, I'll be happy. Because you'll be doing what I expect you to do. If you are cold, I will also be happy. Because you will be defined as cold, and I will know that you need help, and I will extend grace to help you. He said, but if you are neither hot nor cold, you are being deceptive, because you are not cold, you are not hot, yet you are making us to believe that you are what you are not. And that deception is not permitted in my kingdom. He said, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, in the amplified version of the Bible, he says, I know your record. And that's why I want to... Your record. So God has your record with him. He said, I know your record of works and what you are doing. I have your record. Well, I good that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spill you out of my mouth. So God has the record of every individual. God has a record. Now look at um, message translation. He said, I know you inside out find little of my liking. This is God speaking. He said, I know you inside out. The pastor may not know you. You may deceive the pastor. You may deceive your coordinator. He said, but me, I'm God. I know you inside out. And I find little to my liking. You are not cold. You are not hot. Far better to be either cold or hot. You are stale. You are stagnant. You make me want to vomit. My God, my God. This is God speaking. So when we are talking of commitment, we need to understand that what this is all about. Because many times when we don't understand this, we will not be able to see why we should do what God expects us to do. Now, let's see um, another, trans- uh, another scripture. So we see here that God wants us to be what? Hot. God wants us to be focused. Now look at Numbers chapter 14, so that we see all the scriptures and then we'll begin to move on. Numbers chapter 14 and verse number twenty-four, numbers fourteen twenty-four. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, this is New King James version. He has a different spirit in him. Has followed me fully, followed me fully, not partially, not afaresedly, fully, followed me fully. I will bring him into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. So God yeah, here is saying, look, commitment. I want you to be hot, number one. To be committed means to be on fire for God. To be committed means to be hot for God. What does it mean to be committed? Here again, He says, I want you to follow me fully. To be committed means to follow God fully, completely, and absolutely and wholly. Not haphazardly, not partially. And he says, if you follow me fully, because you are following me fully, I will now bring you into your inheritance. That is why a lot of people in church have been in church for years without tangible inheritance, without tangible evidence. They can recite the blessings of God. They can confess and pray the blessings of God, but they are not seeing the tangibility of that blessing, evidence in their life because God knows them. We as pastors, sometimes we are feeling, ah, oh, oh, but God, this sister is committed now. Oh, but God, this couple are committed now. Oh, but God, this brother, answer this brother. Answer this sister. And God is saying, my, bro- my son, you don't understand. I hope you know, no matter how anointed the man of God is, we can only pray. It is God that answers prayer. No man of God is anointed to answer prayer. So no matter how much your pastor loves you, no matter how much your pastors desire for you to be blessed, When God looks into your heart, He knows you inside out. We see the game you play in church. We see all your acting on Sunday morning. We see all your packaging to make us feel you are committed. But God knows. So even when we pray for you with all our heart, we anoint you, we bless you, we prophesy over you. God will not answer because God knows that you are not qualified. So to enter your inheritance, you need commitment to God and His kingdom. He said, He followed me fully. Look at the other translation, message. He said, but my servant Caleb, this is a different story. <laughs> he has a different spirit. He follows me passionately. He follows me passionately. He said, I will bring him into the land that is scouted and his children will inherit. So he said, look, because this guy is passionate about me, everything he has dreamt about, everything he has desired, he said, I will cause it to become a reality upon his children. So when you are committed, it means that you are passionate for God. It brings generational blessing. When you are passionate for God, even your children become beneficiary. Many people in church today, they are passionate about football. Arsenal, Man U, Liverpool. And that is all their passion. Saturday, you can't get them to to come. Even today, now, I'm sure there must be one or two football today. If we put this class now, during football, many of you will not be here. Many people are passionate about fashion. You want to have a uh, uh, you want to have the latest gadget uh, the next iPhone, you are already on your waiting list. Yet, you are not passionate about the things of God. Ah, the latest, this, what are you passionate about? He, he says, He is passionate about me. Are you passionate about the kingdom? All the cars and the clothes and the gadgets that you have gathered all these years, when there was lockdown, of what benefits were there to your life? New Living Translation. He said, but my servant Caleb has a different attitude than others have. He has remained loyal to me. So I will bring them down. We possess are fully committed is to be hot for God. To be committed is to be on fire for God. To be committed is to follow God fully. To be committed is to be passionate for God. To be committed is to be loyal to God. Now let's move to see another scripture so that we can complete this first module and then move to the second module before we go and break. Now, um, let's look at Matthew 26, 58. Matthew 26, 58. In Matthew 26, 58, we see... The Bible says, but Peter followed him afar off. Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servant to see the end. Now we see a comparison between this scripture and the last one we read. In the previous scripture, Numbers fourteen twenty-four, Caleb followed fully. Now we see Peter following from afar following from afar, instead of being close, he's following from afar, he's watching to see the end. And unfortunately, that is the attitude of a lot of people in church. Instead of being close, they are just afar. Let's see what they are doing. Let's see how far he's going to go. I'm, I'm watching. I'm just watching. And you are watching in your father's house. How can you be a spectator in your father's house? Peter was following from afar Look at the New King James Version. But Peter followed him at a distance. But Peter followed him at a distance. How can you be distant from your father's house? How can you be a member of a church? You are a minister. You are a worker. Yet you are far off. You are distant. What is more important? That this kingdom agenda. What is more important than your relationship with God? So what is commitment? It is following God closely and intimately. It is following God what? Closely and intimately. You can't be far from your father's house. It's not possible. It will not work. It won't work. Now let's look at another one. Second Chronicles 26 from verse 5. Verse five. Second Chronicles 26, verse 5. 2 Chronicles 26, verse 5. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. As long as he was seeking God, he was prospering. Why? Your prosperity and progress in the kingdom is commensurate to your seeking God. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in earth even as your soul prosper. The prosperity of your soul is the key to every other prosperity. If you are not growing in your relationship with God, you are not qualified for other things to be added. Look at another translation of that verse. He was a loyal seeker of God. He was well-trained by his pastor. This is my translation. Second Chronicle 26, verse 5. He says, he was a loyal seeker of God. He was well-trained by his pastor. Thank God for Pastor Sam and Pastor Betty. That is giving you training. The word of God has been a part of this church now for, for well over a decade. And I can see the hand of God. I can see the progress of God. I can see what God is doing and the teachings and the passion of the pastor to see that the church is blessed, to live in reverent obedience before God. So when you look at all the scriptures we are in, you will realize that being committed in a major kingdom expectation of God is something that should never be compromised as a child of God. Let's move to the level two. Let's move to module two. The involvement versus commitment dichotomy. The challenge we have in the church today is that there are a lot of people that are involved with church, but they are not committed to church. They are involved with and not committed to God. When you say the two of them are involved, it's like being involved. When you see two people that are in in a relationship we call involvement, it's an entanglement. They are involved with each other to do moral things, but are not enough to get married and build a family and begin to raise a family. So husband and wife are not involved. Husband and wife are committed. When the husband has a side chick, it's an involvement. When a wife has a side boy, it's, a, it's an involvement. And that is happening in church. We are having affairs with God. We are having affairs with church. Instead of having a, a, a committed covenant matrimony, with the kingdom of God. And that is what is happening in today. We have a lot of people that cannot be impregnated by the covenant. They cannot be impregnated with the DNA of heaven because they are side chicks in the kingdom. They are not fully committed. They are just involved with church and involved with the kingdom. And involvement is not commitment. So that you brought your tithe and offering does not mean that's all. No, you need to use your gifts your talent to also be a blessing to other people. Yeah, I don't have time, I don't have time. No, it's not only about your resources. So you can't just lay egg like a chicken and walk away. No, because in that breakfast, the chicken brought the egg, but the chicken is still alive to lay another But when the bacon is eaten, the pig had to lay down his life in order for that breakfast to become a reality. So what we are saying now is that God is calling for a committed workforce. God is calling for a generation of people that will not just be satisfied with being involved in church, but will be more committed to lay down their life. And what does it mean to lay down your life? It doesn't mean to die. To lead that life means that God is the ultimate, God is the sole focus, and everything your time, your talent, your treasure, you put God first above all else. And in this first session, uh, because of all this break and break, I have um, seven minutes more, but let me see if I can put this together in just seven to 10 minutes, and then we'll go and break. Let's look at the levels of commitment. The levels of commitment. Levels of commitment. Now, We're going to be using the story of the Good Samaritan. Luke chapter 10. The story of the Good Samaritan. Luke chapter 10 from verse 25 to 37. We all know the story. Luke chapter 10 from verse 25 to 37. The story begins with a lawyer. Jesus was teaching. And then Leah stands up. And then he asks a simple question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus Christ tells him, well, just do what is written in the law. And then he said, oh, okay, no problem. I've heard you. So Jesus Christ said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Simple. Love God, love people. Simple. Love God, love people. That's all. If you love God and you love people, you'll be good. If you look at the Ten Commandments, that's all the Ten Commandments is all about. Thou shalt not murder. If you love somebody, will you murder them? That shall not commit adultery. If you love somebody, will you sleep with somebody's wife? That shall not steal. If you love somebody, will you steal from them? That shall have no other God. If you love God, will you serve another God? The entire Ten Commandments hinges on just two. Love God, love people. So there is only one commandment. is love. Love for God and love for people. When you love God and you love people, you will never live in sin and be living anyhow because you will be able to walk by what we call the law of love. <laughs> so, the guy stands up and says, okay, who is my neighbor? As if to set Jesus up. The way some people just ask you question, as if to hang you. It's not today. He's been there from Bible days. <laughs> so he said, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus, in answering him, now told the parable of the good Samaritan. The man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among thieves. But there are three sets of people that mess with the man. The Bible says the priest came, the Levites came, and then the good Samaritan. Now, when the priest came, the priest saw the situation and the Bible says he moved to the other side. You see that in verse 31. Verse 31. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So, the priest came, saw him and moved to the other side. And then, a Levite came. Look at the Levite. The Levite came. Look at verse 32. Look at the Levite. Likewise, a Levite when he arrived at the place. Look at the difference between, now listen, look at the difference <laughs> between the priest and the Levite. Verse 31, the priest saw him and went to the other side. The priest came, ah, there's a dead man there. I don't want to stay myself. I went to the other side. But when the Levite came, the Levite went there, looked at him. Hmm, ah, this man is, ah, he will need an hospital. Ah, he will need treatment. Ah, he will need, so the Levite still went a step ahead of the priest examine the things that were on ground and identify the things that were wrong, but he still didn't do anything. He went to the other side until the good Samaritan came. So now, there are four levels of commitment. Four. And I want to take some of them from this and then we'll go and break. Level one is awareness. Awareness. There are people that have been on level one all their life. People that already were aware. was, beaten, was aware that he has been beaten out. The priest was aware. The Levites was aware. The Samaritan was aware. The doctor, he took him to the way away. But even though they were all aware, not all of them did what they were supposed to do. So it's not just enough to say you are aware. We have a level of commitment that they on you to do something. The Levites came and looked at him and said, hey, ah, hey, another victim, hey, another victim. Looked at him and said, this man with bandage, you we need we need to we need to, to, but I don't have that time. I don't have that, so I have my own problem. And cross to the other side. I'm concerned, uh, what are you doing? Gather you together to help them. I know uh, the way the students are failing exams. I'm concerned, uh, what are you doing to gather students together? You can't just say you are concerned. That's not enough. No matter because of time, it's commitment. Number three is the commitment, which is the real one, which is where we should begin from. So to be aware, you are aware of many things that needs attention, you are concerned about many things from today, God is saying, it's time to move from awareness and concern to a place of commitment and action. Uh, Just as a brief recap, we've been able to um, look at the scriptural foundation and definitions of uh, commitment to be able to establish that commitment is being hot for God, being on fire for God. We've been able to establish the fact that commitment is following God fully, following God passionately and being loyal to God. We have been able to establish that commitment is following God closely and intimately. We've been able to establish that it is seeking God diligently and consistently. And we've seen different scriptures to be able to establish that. And then we've been able to see that there's a difference between being involved and being committed. And God is not just calling us to be involved in His work. He's calling us to be fully committed to his work. Now we Wrapped up in the fourth session, looking at the levels of commitment. And I want to do a recap on that so that we can plug in from there because of the disruptions we've had. We're looking at the story of the Good Samaritan, and from there we've been able to see some levels of commitment. So I told you that there are four levels of commitment. Level one is awareness. And that is when you are aware that there is a situation on ground, but being aware is not enough. Awareness should place a demand on you to take responsibility. Awareness should place a demand on you to play your part. You can't see a plumbing problem in your house and say because you are not a plumber, you will not take action. You cannot see an electric fault in your house and say because you are not an electrician, you will not take action. So you cannot claim to be a part of the kingdom of God having the spirit of God and then you see situation and circumstances that requires attention and you choose not to do anything. That's an error in the kingdom. Then we move from awareness to the level of concern, level two. So we see how that the priest was concerned. He saw the man on the ground. He was concerned about his predicament, but of what use was his concern without action. Oh, you are concerned that someone is hungry, but without feeding them, does that make them feel? You can't just say you are concerned. Concern is not enough. 1000 good intention is not as powerful as one action. So the priest was concerned, the, the Levite was concerned. The Levites went a step further than the priest. He came, he looked, he observed. He was able to identify things that needs to be done, but decided of his own accord that he was not willing to make that commitment. Oh, I don't have the time. Oh, I don't have the resources. Somebody else should come and do that. It does not work like that. Evil tribes when good men do nothing. And you need to understand that once you are a part of the church, if you are not part of the solution, you are indirectly part of the problem. Don't let anybody deceive you. If you are not part of the solution, you are indirectly part of the problem. You must be a part of the change that you desire to see. So when you come into a church, there is no perfect church anywhere in the world because the church is made up of imperfect people. You are not better than me. I'm not better than you. We are all better than what we used to be. We are all fellows in the same ship. That's why it's called a fellowship. We are all fellows in the same ship and we are all in the hand of God, is the potter, we are the clay, so that he can make us and mold us to what he wants us to be. But when you come into a church and you see issues that need attention, that ability to identify the issue and see that there is an issue that needs attention places a responsibility upon you to act, to act. The way you are doing God's work, will you do your family Will you if you handle your family the way you are handling church work? Will you still have a family? So you need to understand that is not just enough to be concerned. The priest was concerned, the Levites was concerned, but of what use was their concern? Zero. Then we see the third level of commitment, which is where real commitment begins. So awareness, concern, they are just what I call the outer courts of our journey with God. It's not really, but once you're aware, at least it's better to be aware than to be unaware. (laughs) It's better to be concerned than to not to be, because once you are not aware, you are not concerned, your case is now, you are a sadist. You have entered another area that's one mental health and another sanity level. So the fact that you are even aware and concerned, we should be grateful to God that at least you are aware. You are not unaware, at least you are concerned. You are not that callous to the level where you are not concerned about things. No. But it's not enough to just be concerned. And that is why you now need to move to level three. And level three is commitment. That is what the good Samaritan did. So commitment involves action. It's not words. It's talk, talk, talk. Without action, it's nothing. It's a faith without work is dead. So commitment requires you to act, to take action. So until you take the right action, until you take appropriate action, you are not committed. So, just talking and talking and talking. Do you know how many hours we spend in church in meetings? Departmental meeting, uh, minister's meeting, group meeting, uh, workers' meeting. After all the meeting, 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 talk, 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 talk. Once you leave that meeting, everybody go back to their complacency. A lot of talk has not produced results. And if we are going to see the kingdom of God be what God wants it to be, we need to match our talk with action. And that is what the good Samaritan did. Don't forget, The good Samaritan was not related to this man. It's not as if they are the same father, the same mother. They are not family members. The good Samaritan was on his way to do his own legitimate business, to pursue his own career. But because he was a kingdom ambassador, when he saw the problem, he said, ah, I cannot abandon this man like this. I must do something. So commitment does not abandon problem, all in the name of I am busy. Commitment does not abandon the work, all in the name of... For me, I also have something to do. No! He stopped and he did 11 things. Which time will not permit us to look into? He poured wine. He poured oil. He put bandage. He nursed him, and did all kinds of stuff. At the end of the day, he took him to the hospital. Why? Because what he was doing was first aid. First aid is to make sure that you stop the progress of evil to ensure that things don't get worse. But that is not going to bring the final cure. So he went a step ahead to now take the man to the hospital, to the professionals. And he did not stop there. He now went ahead to pay for it. Number one, he gave his time. Number two, he gave his talent. Number three, he gave his treasure. He gave his time because he stopped, took care of the man, took the man to the inn, stayed with him overnight, and continued his journey the next day. That's his time. He gave his talent. He gave his talent. What does that mean? He he knew that there was something called first aid. He poured wine. He poured oil. He put bandage. That means he had an understanding of first aid. And he was using that gift and that talent that he had to help somebody else. And then number three, he gave his treasure. He gave the money to the doctor and said, look, take care of this man. I will pay his bills. So if you are truly committed, it will show in these three things. How much of your time are you giving to God? Most churches in the world meet two times in a week. Maximum three times for a normal contemporary church. So we meet on Wednesday. We meet on maybe another midweek service. Maybe we do Friday. So let's do the calculation. Two hours on Sunday morning. Let's say you do two hours on the road. That's four hours. Let's do the same thing on Wednesday. Let's do the same thing on Friday. So we are talking of you being involved in church. Four hours times three. If you meet three times a week. And if you are there for the three times, and if you need one hour to go and one hour to come, and you are saying to me that out of 24 hours times seven, you cannot give 12 to God. And when you are sick, you expect God to come through for you. Do you know that there are people that have been in hospital that have been on the hospital bed for years? They virtually don't have an address. The hospital is in the address. And the God that kept you alive, that saved you, that is keeping you, and many of you know, That but for God, you will not be where you are today. But for God, he kept your family, kept your children. COVID-19 has come and gone. People have died in their millions all over the world. You are still alive, and yet you think that that God does not deserve your time. You go to work, how much are they paying you? 100 pounds per hour. 100 pounds per hour. So even if you earn 100 pounds per hour, you mean you can't give God two hours? I'm going to work, I'm going to work to go and earn £8.50, £8.50, £11.50, £12.50, £15 per hour. That's why you cannot live three, four hours, £60. You can't take £60 four hours off to face God. And when you are in trouble, when you have cancer, when you have kidney problems, when you have diabetes, can your hospital help you? Can your office help you? The NHS is overcrowded. Could they undo COVID? Where is NHS in COVID now? Where is all the insurance in COVID? Is it not God everybody's crying out on? You are going to work. You are going to work. You don't have time for God. If you die today, all they hold you in that office is one minute of silence. That's all. You say, oh, you don't understand. I'm in a very a, a very sensitive position. I'm in a very strategic position. If I don't get the work, things will go off. If you die, will the company not continue? Before you were born, people have been giving that excuse for their irresponsibility. You want to join that group? So time, your time must be given to God number two, your talent. How can you be an IT specialist in your office and we cannot feel your impact in the kingdom? How can you be a social media manager for a multinational and you are reaching the world and you cannot carry the same experience and give to help us to propagate the gospel? How can you be a professional in IT and we can't see your impact? in the church, how can you? So you need to understand your time, then your talents. You want to come to church and still call salary to play drum. You want us to pay you to play drum. We should pay you to play keyboard. We should play you to play guitar. We should play, we should pay you to be a backup singer after a while. You want us to pay you to be a children's church teacher. We'll pay you to be a not will pay you to be, Abba, Abba, if everybody's collecting the money like that, where will we see money to do the work of the kingdom? <laughs> Everybody <laughs> wants to come to church and collect. I'm sorry. <laughs> Drummer wants to collect. Keyboardist wants to collect. Uh, uh, Abba, can't you offer your services to God? Is it the two hours you are giving to God with your talents that you still want us to pay? you put your salary, what are you doing from Monday to Friday? So, So it's very, very important. Committed. But there's a level four. The level four is beyond what the Samaritan did. Because the Samaritan was committed, and that's good. But there's a higher level that everybody needs to move on to, and that level four is not in this context of the good Samaritan, but that level four is called the addiction level. Addiction level. is a level of addiction. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew 6, 33. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and every other thing shall be added to you. Seek ye first. Not my word, not the scripture. Seek ye first. It did not say, seek ye first only the kingdom no god is not saying you should seek his kingdom only no but he's saying you should seek his kingdom first is a function of priority not exclusivity priority so what is your priority as a minister of the gospel what is your priority as a worker what is your priority as a child of god the kingdom should be your priority seek ye first so God is not against you seeking a job, seeking a one. those things ahead of seeking his kingdom because you cannot embrace the principle and reject the principle and reject the principle. The principle is more important. Than reject the giver of the gifts. It does not work like that. You cannot embrace the creation and reject the creator. It does not work like that. So the level of addiction, when you become addicted to the kingdom, look at what is happening with Islam today many of our youth in uk many of our youth in europe have been recruited into islamic fundamentalist group they have been recruited why because the young people are looking for fire looking for power looking for a revival and yet we are in church, and we have made everything look so lukewarm that the the youth are looking for something more tangible and they are now seeking islam seeking terrorism and seeking all kinds of things they are looking for supernatural outside of the supernatural god why because those of us that should plug into god and carry the power and the fire of god and become role models to these people we are lukewarm our children are seeing us at all you are parents you have been in church for 15 years 20 years you have raised children they have become know you are not fasting. They know you are not on fire. They know you are still fast fighting. They know you are an hypocrite. Yet on Sunday, you are the one on the pulpit. So they cannot listen to you. They are crying for more than what they can see in your life. So it's time for us to understand that this lukewarmness, it will affect your family. It will affect your children. If you don't catch fire for God, you are going to end up Catching fire by trouble. When your children end up on drugs and your children end up in the hospital and prison, you will fire for God and carry that fire to your house and set your house on fire. Set your children on fire. Trouble will make you to be prayer fast. We don't need to declare corporate fasting. When the troubles of life eat you, when the challenges of life come, nobody will teach you to pray or fast. So pray so that you will not pray. Fast so that you will not fast. Be committed so that you will not be convicted. Today, we have suicide bombers in the Islamic world. We have suicide bombers in the Islamic religion. The question I want to ask you now, are you a suicide lover? Can you die for this work? are, Are you committed to this? Can you lay your life for this work? And when I say lay your life, I'm saying it figuratively, but now I'm also saying it literally. Can you lay your life for this work? Can you? Are you a suicide lover? That is the level of addiction. Listen to me, the spirit of the addiction provides for the addiction. Go and do your research all over the world. Drug addicts, money will always show up for them to take drugs. If they need to beg, they will beg. If they need to steal, they will steal. If they need to go and do all jobs to get money to get their fix, they will do it. The spirit of the addiction, when a drug addict enters UK today, they don't need any advert. The spirit will guide them to where they are drugs. You don't. They don't need to meet anybody. There will be a spirit that will guide them to where they are selling drugs. Why? Because the spirit of the addiction guides the addicted. The spirit of the addiction provides for the addicted. The spirit of the addiction gives creativity and innovation to the addicted. So what you are addicted to determines what you are creative in. What you are addicted to determines what you are innovative in. So if you are addicted to God, you'll be on fire for God. God will be able to provide for you because he knows that you'll be, you'll be a channel Get through you. So God is looking for suicide lovers. Those that are ready to go all the way for the kingdom. And I'm trusting God. That out of today's retreat will rise up an army. Out of today's retreat uh, will rise up a new generation of kingdom ministers, kingdom vessels, sense and the lukewarmness of the normal church and become a part. So, because of time, let me move on. I'm going to jump um, the journey of commitment and then I'm going to go straight into the next module because of time and just take us through the truths about commitment. And then we'll see if we can go into the elements of total commitment. So let's look at truths about commitment. Let me share truth about commitment. Truths about commitments. Number one, it starts from the heart. It starts from the heart. Commitment is an inside. job. Commitment does not Come from your head. It doesn't come from your brain. It doesn't come from your education. It comes from your spirit. As I'm speaking right now, if all you are getting is academic, if all you are getting is taking notes, and nothing is tearing up your heart, that then you are not getting it. There must be something stirring up in the spirit of God. Is the spirit of commitment. If you truly have the spirit of God, as I'm speaking right now, deep will be calling to the deep. The Holy Spirit will be expanding what I have from within. That is true commitment. So, the matter of the heart, and the matter of the heart is the heart of the matter.
1: Amen.
0: The matter Amen. of the Amen. heart is the heart of the matter. So, commitment is an inside job. It's not an external job. Amen. Commitment is not how you dress. Commitment is not you bending your head. Commitment is not you lifting your hand as if you are dead. No, you can lift up your hands, but your heart is bowed down. So number one, it starts from the heart. Number two, second factor about commitment, it is tested by action. Commitment is tested by action. Talk is cheap. Anybody can talk if you have mouths. But you must match your talk with action. 1,000 good intention is not as powerful as one action. 1,000 good intention is not as powerful as one action. Talk is cheap. So commitment is tested by action. Read your Bible. A man called two of his children. He told one, go and do this. He said, daddy, I'm not doing. The other one, he said, go and do it. He said, yes, sir, I'm going. And he never went. The one that said, I'm going, didn't do it. The one that said, I'm not going, changed his mind and did it. And the Bible says, which of them is the real son? So it's not just for you to say, yes, pastor. Yes, pastor. Yes, daddy. Yes, mommy. All this hypocritical Christianity. Yes, daddy. Yes, mommy. I service. When Pastor Sam or Pastor Betty is around or Pastor Fem is around or the leaders are around, you are behaving normal. But once they walk away, you are the one causing trouble in your department. You are the one always causing issue in every fellowship. Whereas when the leaders are there, you behave as if you are a normal person. It does not work like that. God is seeing your heart and God is calling you out today and saying, my son, my daughter, enough. You should not be a troublemaker. You should be a body bearer in the kingdom. So it is a function of your action, not your talk. The Bible says, who so looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer, a doer, a doer, a doer of the world, shall be blessed in all his deeds. Faith without work is dead. He says, show me your faith by your works. So number two what commitment is tested by action. What is your action? I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Yes, you can't tight. The government will not ask you for permission before deducting your tax. But God is saying, I I, I want you to bring your tithe by yourself. It has nothing to do with the law. It's an act of worship. If you believe that I am your source and you believe that I'm the one that empowers you to get well, honor me with 10, you are arguing. Wake up in the morning and pray. You can't wake up in the morning and pray, but you can wake up by 4 a.m. To go to train station to end up underground. You can go to train station. Wake up early four a.m. You are out to so go and collect fifteen pounds an hour. Whereas you can't wake up by four a.m. to pray and cover your family with the blood and cover your children with the blood and release them with the covering of God in a world where people are being shot down, gun violence in UK, knife violence. People are being cut down with knife like like, like butcher knife like animals. And yes, you can't pray and cover your children and you are just pursuing money. To do what? Without God. Number three, it leads, commitment leads to accomplishments. There is no result without commitment. Commitment leads to accomplishments. So don't tell me you are committed if we are not seeing results. I'm telling you, it is results that puts an end to insult. How can we hand over a department to you with 24 people? And they have reduced to five. And you are supposed to be a coordinator. What are you coordinating? We handed over a department to you with 25 members. Now there are five people. You could not even, if you cannot increase the member, can't you even maintain the one we gave you? And yet you say, pastor, people are not serious. People are not committed. Uh, The people are not serious. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Stop passing the buck. If you are a coordinator, your coordinatorship means that you are supposed to coordinate all available resources, human, material, spiritual, physical, to achieve the goal that is set up for that department. So how can a department, we hand over our fellowship to you, our fellowship die in your hand. We hand over a branch to you, the branch is breaking in your hand. If it's your own business and you are losing staff, If it's your own family and you are losing staff, will you be happy? And you have to be happy? We hand over a department to you. It's spoiling in your hand. It's going bad. We brought you in there to be a solution provider. So as a leader, as a coordinator, if it is not working, it's your fault. It's not the fault of the members. If it is not working, you must look for, do I need to train them? Do I need to pray for them? Do I need to visit them? Do I need to find out what is wrong? You sit down and give mental and spiritual and physical attention to what has been committed to your hand. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. You live your business. You are the one that owns the business. And inside your own business, you sit down there, you have a restaurant and you used to have 100 uh, customers, and now you are having 30 customers, will you be doing press worship? Will you be happy? Won't you find out what's going wrong? Won't you check whether your food is right? Won't you check whether something is wrong with your publicity? Won't you call your customer to find out what is wrong with them? How can we hand over a department to you, and it's failing in your hands? And yet, it's not my business. I'm not a pastor or self You know, what, what is this? This is your father's business jesus christ said in luke 2 he said don't you know i must be about my father's business so how important is the father's business to you is it more important than your own so number three is what commitment leads to accomplishment where there is no result we without we, we the commitment because let me tell you something where there is true commitment <laughs> results must show up look at what happened in genesis 11 when they were committed and united. Something is happening here. So you can't tell me you are committed and the things we handed over to you is not working. How can you be in a department that is not working and you are okay? Eh, In that department, they are not serious. Me, I will not attend the place again. They are not serious. Ah! They are not serious. What have you brought to the table? If they are not serious, have you done your part to ensure that we become serious? Or you think you are there as a spectator in your father's house? Number four. Fourth factor about commitment, commitment can be measured. Commitment can be measured. We can measure your commitments. <laughs> so don't tell me you are committed. I can measure your commitment and tell you whether you are committed or not. You know, you know, what a lot of people in church today, they are coming to a place where they are forgotten that we are Christians and we are covenant people. And they want to become politicians in church. You want to be diplomatic in church. You want to be politically correct. Do you think the devil is diplomatic when he wants to kill you? Do you think the devil is diplomatic when he wants to give you a miscarriage? Do you think the devil is diplomatic when he wants them to uh, knife you? Do you think the devil is diplomatic when he wants you to have crisis in your marriage? Do you think the devil is diplomatic or politically correct? when it brings cancer and it brings high blood pressure into people's lives, do you think the devil wants to be diplomatic When it puts people in depression? Yes, we Christians, we want to become apologetics. We want to become diplomatic and, 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 and politically correct. If you are committed, we will know. It's not by suit and tie. It's not by suit. If you suit. If you are committed, we know. So commitment, talent, and treasure. Time, wow. time talent, and treasure. If we look at your time. How much time do you give to the things of God? And how much time do you give to yourself? There's 24 hours in a day. All, you, all that God is asking you is 10%. Tithe is not only about money. You are supposed to tithe your time. So listen and listen well. <laughs> listen. So if there's 24 hours in a day, what is the tithe of 24 hours? Two hours, 40 minutes. Two hours, 40 minutes. So what you need to do as a Christian, you owe God two hours, 40 minutes every day to do his kingdom work. So that means every day you must spend a total of two hours, 40 minutes praying, studying the Bible, looking for souls to save and getting involved in the work of ministry. So if we look at two hours, 40 minutes per day times seven days, That tells you how many hours a week you need to give to God for you to comply with kingdom agenda. (laughs) That's the way it works. So, have you given God 2 hours 40 minutes a day? Wake up in the morning. Prayer, you cannot pray. 2 hours 40 minutes a day. Read Bible, you cannot read. None of you have been in church 10 years, 20 years. You have not read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation to even know the constitution of the kingdom you are part of. How can you claim to be serious and you can't tithe your time? Two hours, 40 minutes a day. I'm not saying you spend the whole two hours, 40 minutes in one place. It can be one hour in the morning, one hour in the afternoon, 30 minutes in the night, or one hour in the morning, 30 minutes in the Just look, make sure that every day, two hours, 40 minutes. And what are you doing there? A combination of prayer, a combination of Bible study, a combination of worship, soul winning, and ensuring that you volunteer to church, so departmental meeting, being a part of a group, all these are what it means. So, commitment can be measured. Your time, number two, your talents. Your talent. If you are a teacher, how can you be a teacher? No, think about it now. Please, let's be serious. Let's stop playing games. If this thing is not working, abandon it and go and serve the devil. If you claim to be serving God, let's really serve Him. Abba, let's really serve him. You are a teacher. You're already trained. You're already working. You're already being paid. And then we have hundreds of children in church on Sunday. And you can't volunteer your time to join children's church and come and take care of children? You are married. You are looking for a child. And you cannot go and give your time in children's church to sow the seed of taking care of other people's children so that God can answer you? a businessman you have run a business successfully you are into uh, the career profession you are an accountant you are in hr and you can't come to church and join the business fellowship and set up a a, a business program or a career program so that we can teach people in church young people are in church they are in college They they are uni and they are confused they need direction they need mentorship and you can't give your time okay, pastor, every Saturday, we professionals in church, we are going to be in church for four hours. Once in a month or twice in a month, we want to mentor people. If you need mentorship in your career, come to us every Saturday. Even if you can't do Saturday, can't you do Sunday? After service, you wait for three hours. And young people can come and be counseled. Teachers, you can do after school program. And you come, offer your time. Dominion Center, we have the location. We have rooms, we have up to seven floors. We have all kinds of rooms there. We can give you a room. God, that people, after school program, must the church pay you for that? Must pastor be involved in that? Can't you do that for yourself for your father's house? All these children that are on the streets, ending up in drugs, ending up in prostitution, ending up in violence, if the church occupies them, will they have time for the devil? And I do mind is the devil's workshop and it is not the job of pastor to do everything. So, Pastor, we preach. Is he Pastor that will be in children's church? Is Pastor that will do after church program? Is Pastor that will still pray for you? Is Pastor that will still come and do women's ministry? What is your part in your father's house? Your time, number two, your talent. It can be measured. So, we can measure your commitments. When I look at your calendar now, if not for COVID, many of you have booked summer. You have booked summer. You have never missed summer. You know how to buy your own ticket. You know how to pay for hotel But you have never given anything Substantial to the building fund You have never given any substantial Sacrificial seed to the house of God But every year you are spending thousands For airline, yes you don't own an airline You are spending thousands on hotel All over the world, Yet one single hotel You don't own You are spent money on airline, on hotel On feeding people, Yet nobody's paying you for anything, why? Because you are not taking care of the kingdom Number three is your talent, it can be measured if I ask for your calendar now, for the past five years, will I see the kingdom there? Even this one we are doing this morning now, many of you, you are already disconnected and gone and come, some people are no more here. I'm going to work a Saturday, I'm going to resume to go and resume to do all the resumption you have done since January. What's the result? Hey, eh? <laughs> Supposed to be here, now they are not here, they are in the office. The same office you have been going for 10 years and things have not changed. You don't think it's time to come and put God first? So it can be measured. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. So if you are listening to me right now, you are a pastor, you are a worker, you are a minister, and you are not a titer. You are an enemy of dominion. Let me just take a few minutes and just wrap up the module I am on. And then um, we'll be able to now go into the question and answer session. So we are on the truth about commitment level. And that's the model we're wrapping up with and I'm trying to share with you So let me um, deal with six of them and then uh, we close. So I've dealt with four, I'm on number four. Number one, true commitment starts from the heart. It's an inside job, it starts from the heart. Number two, true commitment is tested by action. Talk is cheap, so it's a function of what you do and not what you say. Number three, true commitment leads to accomplishments. It's a function of results. Whatever you are committed to, you will produce results in. If you are committed to a relationship, the relationship will be resourceful. If you are committed to a business, the business will produce results. If you are committed to a task, the task will function well. So whatever you are committed to produces results. So when there is no results, we have to check the commitments. And then number four, commitment can be measured. You can't tell me you are committed. There is a measuring guide to know whether somebody is committed or not. Number one is your time. How much time do you give to God? And we've spoken about tithing your time. Two hours, 40 minutes a day to do things that relates to the kingdom. On your social media, how much time do you spend on God? How much time do you spend to develop your spiritual life? If I go to your social media platform right now, the postings, how many percentage of your posting is kingdom related? Number two, your talents, whatever you are doing, kingdom mentality is a mindset that is concerned about the establishment and the advancement of the kingdom of God above all else. So whatever you are doing is not about secular and spiritual. How can I use the gifts, the talents, and the potentials, and the resources, and the training, and the experience that God has given me to impact somebody's life? Because it's all about love for God and love for people. You can't be silenced. Silence can equal to consent. If you are not part of the solution, you are in the other part of the problem. Then number three, your treasure. Your treasure. You don't argue with government when they remove your tax. But is the government giving you everything you need? But when it comes to tight, you are arguing. God is saying, honor me. If God is really your source, honor me with the first 10 so that I can redeem the remaining. And yet, we're finding it difficult. When it's time for you and your family to travel, you know how to gather money to buy tickets. You know how to gather money to pay for hotel. All the tickets you have been paying to British Airways, Air France, and Virgin, how many shares have they given you? you, Do you own an airline? Do you own a seat in a plane? After all the years of traveling and paying for tickets, all the hotel you have been paying for, you are going to all kinds of Marriott today, Ayat tomorrow, all manner of Sheraton tomorrow, all the hotel you have gone to all over the world. After spending money on all these hotels, have they called you one day to say, we want to make you a shareholder? You don't become a shareholder by expenses. You become a shareholder by investment. So come and become an investor in the kingdom of God. In this kingdom, only laborers are blessed, not supervisors. God has not called you to be a supervisor in the kingdom. He has called you to be a laborer. So you must be a laborer in the kingdom to be blessed in the kingdom, not a supervisor or a spectator. Everybody is a laborer. So in your talent, in your treasure, can we see God? If I pick your checkbook now, how much of this year, now you have spent thousands. All the money you have spent this year, how many percentage of it was spent on church? How many percent was spent on yourself? Many of you listen to me right now, your phone has never been off in the last ten years, you are paying BT. You are not owing them. You are paying all the telecom indos. You are paying Vodafone, paying Orange, paying all the different uh, telecom indos. You have never owed them. Many of you listen to me right now. Your Kembo has never been down for ten years. You are paying Sky for the past ten years. You are not owing. Are you a shareholder in Sky? After all your years of paying? In the church, to bring the one that belongs to God, you are arguing. Who did this to you? Who messed up your mind like this, that you are now, you are, you are doubting the kingdom? If you don't believe in this thing, go and serve the devil and leave this thing for those that want to serve God. All the years of your pain sky, have you become a shareholder? Have they, have they given you shares to compensate you for your years of faithfulness? When you are sick, is it sky that will come, or is it British Telecom that will come and deliver you? when you need help is it not church We call for prayer and then to bring your portion to church and be faithful in titan so if you are a minister you are a leader a worker and you are not tithing, you are an enemy of the church don't let anybody deceive you because whatever you don't support you oppose that's why read your Bible say who is on the Lord's side come you are either for us or you are against us you cannot be in the middle ground so if your resources are not evident in the church You are not a committed Christian, whether you have title or not, forget that one. Title without entitlement is an entanglement. And we don't need such kind of entanglement in the church today. We need serious-minded firebrand people that will take the kingdom to the next level. And please, look, many of you are not young. Like I told you, I've been a part of Dominion. I met Pastor Sam in uh, Hell's Court, and that was 2006, Maurice Arullo. So since 2006, this 2020, I've been around, yeah, so I've been around 14 years now with this church, so I know what I'm talking about.
2: That's many right. Many of
0: you are <laughs> not children. Many of you are in your 40s, many <laughs> of you are in your 50s, in your 60s. You are raising children. Oh, hey! <laughs> so all these things you are doing, I hope you know your children are watching, and all the things we are talking now about teenage violence, teenage or seriousness, it is the life they have seen us live. We are reaping the fruit however these children turn out is a report card of our parenting it's a report card of the kind of life we are living they see the hypocrisy, you come to church on Sunday, you lift up only hands you praise God and jump and when you are in the car, you start gossiping the pastor when you are in the car, you are gossiping the pastor's wife, when you are in the car you are talking and insulting and abusing other members and your children are in the car, they are seeing you they are seeing your hypocrisy Church will declare seven days fasting. You are eating at home. Your children are seeing you. You are on the dining table. You are insulting pastor on the dining table, insulting your coordinator, talking against other church members. They have seen your hypocrisy for years. And that is why it's difficult to get them to believe in the God you are preaching because your life has not preached the gospel to your children. If you don't change, you will repay. You will regret it, my people. You will regret it because these children will call you out. So, number five, because of time, let me close with two more. Number five. So, we're looking at what commitment, the truth about commitment. So we we'll say number one, to the number five, it helps in decision making. When you are a committed person, it helps you to make the right decision. You are able to prioritize you major on major and you minor on minor. He that lays his hand on the plow and does not look back is the one that the kingdom is talking about. If you look back, you are not worthy. So when you are a committed person, you prioritize. You cannot prioritize premiership more than church. What is our problem? Because there's a football match. Do you know if they do premiership on Sunday morning, many people will not be in church? And you say you are a Christian? No, 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 no. You can't convince me. Something is wrong with your spiritual life. You are forever available. Many of you... You are on all kinds of programs, on Netflix, on television, your uh, neighbors, you watch all kinds of one, Dragon, Then for season one, season two, season three, season four, season ten. You have never missed an episode. Yet you miss church. You even have, they have now created a recording device. You will be able to record all the season one, season two. You are recording. How many of church messages do you have in your house? How many of you, if I come to your house now, you can show me your library where all the books of pastor, different Bible translations are there. You can show me all the tapes, all the messages you have bought. How can you be in church? You can't buy your pastor's tape. You can't buy messages of the church. How? You have bag and shoe to match in your wardrobe. Yes, your destiny is not matching your bank account you are in debt, you are owing credit card loan, you are owing this, and you, you, your wardrobe is bigger than your library. You don't even have a library. Is that how you are going to raise your children without books, without knowledge, without information? If you are struggling to fast and pray, and with all the demons out there right now, do you know that the devils that our children are fighting is a greater devil, intellectual devil, messing up their mind? Listening and listening well, you cannot have a bigger wardrobe than a library. You cannot have two legs and you are buying shoes. I love shoes. I love shoes. When you are not an octopus, you only have two legs. If you love shoes, design shoes. If you love shoes, sell shoes. If you love shoes, manufacture shoes. So when you are a person that understands commitment, you will prioritize your life. You are buying, buy now, pay later. Buy now, pay much more. Your furniture, instrumental payment. Your electronics, instrumental. Everything. You are breaking your life into instrument. Yet, when it comes to the kingdom, you are, you are not ready to give God his own. So, priority. You will prioritize your time. You will prioritize your talents. You will prioritize your treasure. If you are a committed person, you will see your priority. When it's time to be in church, nothing else should be important. Any visitor that is coming to you on Sunday morning, they say, please, can you stay at home? I really need to see. You see say, no, 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 I'll be in church. Either you join me in church. Or come after service. You don't stay at home say, I can't make it to church today. We are expecting a family. We are expecting a family. Who did this to you? When did we become like this? If you are sick with cancer, will you have time to be doing all these excuses that you are doing? Because God has given you good health? You now, because you went to school and God gave you opportunity to school, to study, and now you want to think you are more intelligent than God? And then finally, so number one, number two, number three, number two, it, Finally, it flourishes with public accountability. When you say you are committed, you must be publicly accountable. It flourishes what commitment flourishes with public accountability. Pastor Sam and Pastor Betty cannot say they are committed to you without being accountable to you. That is why they are accountable to you. So in the same vein, that you are expecting your pastors to be accountable to you, you cannot claim to be committed, and you are not accountable. It's not possible. Once you become a Christian, it's no more your life. It's no more your life. I am crucified in Christ. Yes, I live. It's not yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. He said, For the life that I live now, I live by the faith of the Son of God that died that, that for me. So your life is no more your life. For you to be a Christian, it's my life. It's my life. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life. You can't tell me how to live my life. Something is wrong with you, sir. It's an error. You don't have a life when you are in Christ. Christ is your life. Once you come into Christ, it's Christ's life. We are all in the life of God. You cannot try to say, it's my life. It's my private life. Don't don't invade my privacy. Invade your privacy. When you are sick, you call us to come and pray in your house. You don't have privacy then. When there is marital problem between you and your wife, you want us to come and talk, You are not. it's not privacy. But when it's time for you to be accountable, you are bringing human rights into church. You are, you are bringing democracy to church. When it's time to be accountable, no. If you are not accountable on earth, you'll be accountable in heaven. Because at the last day, he will ask you, what have you done with the gift I gave you? What did you do with the time I gave you? What did you do with the talent that I gave you? So it's what? It is what? It is accountable. So accountability. So when you are in a department, you are a leader, you are a pastor, you are a coordinator. When people see that you are accountable, you are, you are a person of integrity. They can, people can now begin to say, oh, that brother is very common. Oh, that sister. Why? Because of accountability. They know that when the chiefs are down, they know where you stand. So the Bible says, as I close, in a great house, there are all kinds of vessels, vessels of honor, vessels of gold, vessels of wood, vessels of hay. He said, "But You should desire to be the vessel that will last because the Bible also says that all our works, everything we are doing will be tested by fire. And it is only what remains after the fire that will be rewarded for. It is my prayer. And everyone connected to this service today, everyone connected to this broadcast, and everyone that is listening to this tape or video after now, that the grace of God will rest upon you. And I want to pray for you right now. Everybody begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. I want to pray for you right now. Let's begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Make up capable Begin to pray the Holy Spirit, everyone. It's prayer time. I want to pray for you. Before we go into question and answer, under the same anointing, I want to
3: release grace
4: di nota
3: da
4: a
1: abuso yang <laughs>
0: akan
1: <laughs>
4: I am not sure
0: in the name of Jesus we thank you thank you for this session today thank you for your work Thank you for your spirit. Lord, we stand and we ask for your mercy. In any way we have hurt you, in any way we have lived below your expectation, have mercy, Lord. Lord, we release a baptism of grace. Grace not to miss our visitation. Grace to do the right thing at the right time. Grace to be in the right place at the right time. Grace to do your will at all times. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. A baptism of fire. The fire of revival. A baptism of the zeal of the Lord that consumes. That from today will be on fire for you. Fire of revival. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I release the manifestation of glory. I hear in my spirit right now. God is releasing upon you fresh anointing. Some of you prophetic anointing. Some of you, the intercessory grace. Some of you, God is stirring up the gifts of the Spirit within you. You have been crying out for a manifestation of His glory. He's being stirred up within you right now, in the name of Jesus. Father, I declare and decree that the works that have been committed into the hands of your sons and daughters will not die in their hands. The work will flourish in their hands. Lord, let this a power, let this a fire begin to spread in every department, spread in every aspect of the church. And Lord, we declare that the remaining part of this year, you will bring your church into a place of continuous revival. Thank you, awesome God, because none will miss their blessing. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.
2: Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very much, Pastor. Uh, what a job. Let's put our house together and celebrate Pastor Olumi Day. Come on, every one of you. Let's, every of you, everybody, everybody please. Yes, we appreciate you very much, Pastor. And um, what we want now is uh, we need to do questions. And um, If you have any question, I wanted you to, uh, Minister Femi, I don't know what to do now, Post them to me or I can read them all out. Um, uh, do you have questions available? Mr. Fermi? Um,
1: no, there's no questions on at the moment. I think people can ask directly.
2: Okay. So yeah. if you want to ask question now, please, can you um, say hi? And then you mention your name. And then you can ask your question. One after the other. Please. After such a wonderful session, ah, you may have some questions, so I really enjoyed it. Very, very good.
3: It's Genevieve
2: okay yeah, yes
3: okay yeah I love the preaching of uh, pastor Ulimide. you he, he always makes me laugh it's such a joy to have you back and seeing you on screen etc um so the part I'm, I'm the type I'm a bit um what you see is what you get I'm quite I'm polite and and I'm friendly but when you when you use the word um there is like the diplomacy in church of course pastor always says that we have to be you know polite and obviously um obviously watch the way we behave as such, I agree, but there are certain times that sometimes you have to be truthful in certain things. So can you elaborate more when you say about the diplomacy that there is too much diplomacy in the, in, you know, uh, amongst Christians, because everybody appears to be careful, but behind the scene, I'm not talking about DC, I'm just talking in general from, from what I see as well, within Christian, within a Christian world. Even when there's something okay. on, the, on our minds, we're afraid to say it because we're afraid to be seen as being too forceful, etc. So, Pastor Lumide, can you elaborate on that in, when, when you mean okay. by, the, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, okay. Well, um, I, I think the, the, the issue there is a function of balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as Christians, everything we do, you see, the Bible is complete. But most of the time, because many of us don't have the full understanding of the different dimensions of scripture, we tend not to be able to do things from the scriptural perspective. Now, being polite is necessary. Being cautious is necessary. That's Mm -hmm. our default setting as people of God. But speaking the truth is also a default setting. And -hmm. what God has done is that he has merged the two together and he says you speak the truth in love. Yes. So the fact that what you are saying is the truth does not mean you should not say it with love. If you're listening to my message right now, in the last um, two hours I've been talking, you can see the way the message is hard. Mm, mm. But you can also see my heart to know that this person is concerned. Can you see the the balance?
4: Definitely, yes.
0: So the fact that you are hard and trying to say the truth does not mean you will say it with a wrong spirit. So speak the truth, but say it in love. love, Because the Bible says we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. That's number one. Number two, the audience determines the approach when you look at jesus when jesus goes to the samaritans or he goes to galileans there is a way he speaks to them when he goes to the samaritans he says things to them in a motivational way in a persuasive way don't you know that you should do this don't you know you should do this but when he's speaking to the pharisees he speaks to them hard (laughs) <laughs> war unto you policies, war unto you policy, why? Because yes. the audience determines the approach. So yes. when you are speaking to children, there is a the way you speak to them. When you are speaking to adults, is, now this is a workers and ministers retreat. And if we cannot deal with the workers and ministers to get them to be on the right path, how will deal with the people. So when people are being diplomatic, it's because number one, they are more concerned about their personal image than the it's image true. of the kingdom. Because the same the same Jesus went into the temple to throw away the tables of the money changer. He was not thinking of decorum. He was not thinking of packaging. He was not thinking of being politically correct. So when your image is more important than the image of God, you know, I don't want people to see me as a talkative. I don't want them to see me as a judgmental person. I want to, and it's not important how they see you. If God is seeing you differently. So it's that true. is where I just feel we need to have that balance. Yes. And once we balance it up it will help us so that's that's my answer
3: thank you very much sir
2: so also to um just to add to it like you need to act wisely
1: mm.
2: okay i mean <laughs> the fact that you have to say whatever you want to say uh does' not mean that you have to you have to make sure that uh, at the time you finish not you can't mm. i mean people can be offended even when you say the right thing so don't You shouldn't worry too much about people going to defend, but then in your heart, are you saying to condemn people or are you saying to convict them or to get them? You understand? So you yeah, sure, yeah. the way you say it and also be wise in what you're saying.
3: Okay. Uh, should I ask another one since nobody's asking, should I ask another one?
2: <laughs> yeah. Go ahead.
3: Yeah. So my next question is because. Pastor Lumide, it's like your message for me—it's just been amazing. Because tomorrow we're we we're, we're holding a, um, a sort of holding a meeting to do with, um, you know, pandemic. What's the next stage after pandemic? What next? And then we brainstormed, and Holy Spirit brought up the idea about finding our purpose in this in this pandemic. And I feel like, and this is what I, this is the revelation that I have felt for the last couple of months. I even shared it with Prophetess Betty. So you're preaching telling us that even in a pandemic there is uh opportunity is that the word you use there there is opportunity crisis in this crisis pand-
0: creates opportunity
3: exactly so and then you 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 so basically what you're saying is that in this uh, um we should be find we, we we shouldn't really be sitting there we should be finding exactly what we need to be doing in in the kingdom what about people that know that there are things that maybe God is telling them they have a passion for something, or there are things that God is revealing to them, but they're bombarded or they're focused with the fact that they're in a specific job. They think because that happens, you're thinking about paying your rent, and I'm in a job, and there's the fear of taking the next step. What 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 can you say? What do you, yeah? What
0: do you say to? Now, um, one of the challenge we have as God's people is yeah. we claim we claim to be people of faith. Yeah. But we live we live based on our natural senses. Many of us have never really experienced what it means to live by faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I will give you an example because I know some of you can be able to relate with this. When many of you were in Africa, for those of you that came from Africa, from Caribbean, and from West Indies to come into Europe, where you were coming from, in order for you to buy a car, you save money, you buy the car cash. In order for you to build a house, you buy the land, you labor to build, and everything is cash. Your car is cash, your house is cash. Any electronic in your house, any gadget in your hand is all cash. Then you move into the Western world, and you met a system that tells you you can buy and pay instrumentally. And the faith and the discipline that you had to be able to save up to buy things cash, you suddenly started relaxing in that and you started developing your credit rating instead of your faith rating. That's true. And that is what has led to many of us being in all kinds of debts. And that's why a lot of people now, when it comes to the kingdom, by the time they deduct all the debts they are owing, the kingdom of God has been deducted from their finances. So when it comes to the issue of job, why are you created? You need to ask yourself the question. Are you, were you born and created for a job or were you born and created for a purpose? You were born and created for a purpose. Your job is what you do to earn a living. Your work is what you are created to do. There's a difference between your job and your work, your career and your calling. Your career is what you are paid for, but your calling is what you are made for. Nehemiah had a job, a prestigious job in the presidency. He was there at the height of it, but when he got a calling, when he received a burden from God, he abandoned Salary and the palace and the burden of the call. Yes. He made him to pursue the call and he used all the opportunities and the network of his position to build the kingdom. Do you think Nehemiah end up as a failure? No. The same thing with Joseph. So when you look at many of us, we claim to be Christian, we are people of God, people of faith, but we don't really have faith. So we believe it's our salary, is this, is that. If God is calling you, your gold is tied to your gifts. Your yes. treasure is tied to your talents. Your profits is tied to your purpose and your potential inside your purpose. That's where your prosperity is. So when God tells you it's time to move to the next level, you move. All you need to do is to seek the face of God and say, God, how? Yes. It doesn't mean you will just resign and leave your job. No, but how do I do? And that is where time management comes in. Many of you spend two hours on the way to work in the train or your car, two hours from work, that is four hours in the train. Within that time when you are inside the train, you can still do a lot of things on the phone. You can do a lot of things on social media to still push your purpose. When you go to work, you don't sleep in the work. Even if you do two, three jobs, you still have time that you can prioritize. to so say, okay, I'm gonna take one hour a day. or I'm gonna take two hours a week to focus on my purpose. It's all about priority and time management. So, once your heart is right, God will now be, and you committed to God in prayer, He will give you the grace and the wisdom to put things in perspective, manage it, and that's how it works. So, I pray that God will help all of us so that we will really not figure God. Because when the chips are down, when you get to heaven, they are not going to ask you how many certificates you got, how many targets you met for your company. They are going to ask you what did you do with your gift, your time, and all that heaven has made available to you.
1: Thank you.
4: Oh, thank you, sir. Go ahead. Yes, my question is based on Ephesians chapter four, or first four, because I, I think the teaching we're getting today is about us as a body of Christ, and the church is the body of Christ. And my question is, because we are told on Ephesians four that we are one body, one spirit, just as we are called in one hope of our calling, I am asking, does it mean maybe the body of Christ, like Dominion Center, we do not understand what the body of Christ stands for? Because I believe the body of Christ is covering each other, working together, but we find ourselves sometimes like there is divisions among us. Is it because we are not sure or we don't understand what that body of Christ, one body means?
0: Okay, um, let me quickly take you through a process. Um, In the kingdom of God, we have the body of Christ, we have the body of believers, and we have the temple of God. Note my word, body of Christ, body of believer, temple of God. Now, the temple of God talks about you as an individual. You are the temple of God. Figuratively speaking, in the natural, there are physical temples. But when the Bible talks about the temple of God, it's either talking of the building where people meet, which is physical temples, but primarily in the New Testament, it talks about you. You are the temple of God. When the Bible talks about the body of believer, it's talking about the local church, the church of Corinth, the church of Ephesus, the church of Thessalonica, or the church in the house of, so a body of believer. So you asking the question now, you are the temple of God. Dominion center is a body of believers. So when temples of God gather together, we are gathered together in a a local church, which is the body of believers. And you are the church. That's why we call you the temple. You are the church because the church is the ecclesia. If you have been called out, you are the church. The church is like the Senate. We are the ones representing the kingdom and we come together. Now the body of Christ talks about the church universal. So everyone that is born again anywhere, so if they are born again Christians on the moon, on Mars, in Pluto, in Jupiter, they are all part of the body of Christ. So the body of Christ talks about the church universal. Now, that being said, when you are reading any portion of the Bible, you need to understand the context within which those portion of the Bible is being said. So you have what we call exegesis. And exegesis is the careful, systematic study of the word of God to discover the original intended meaning so as to rightly apply it. So you have what we call inductive and deductive Bible study. So when you look at the book of Ephesians, the entire book of Ephesians is dealing with how every one of us can fulfill the purpose of God within the context of the church, the body of Christ. So Ephesians 4 is dealing with, it begins in verse 1, with our vocation, he says, everyone should walk worthy of their vocation because every one of us we are all called. There is no secular, there is no spiritual, whatever you are doing, that is your assignment. So, if you are a teacher, that is your calling. If you are a lawyer, that is your calling. If you are a driver, that's your calling. You because you, you are that's your ministry. So, wherever you find yourself, is your ministry. He, he said that he now went on to where you are reading that we are all one. That means no matter where you are physically. Whether you are part of Dominion or you are part of Calvary or you are part of job, we are all still part of the body of Christ. But it also relates it to a local church. that look, within a local church, there are people that are ushers. There are people that are choir members. There are people that are in children's church. Even though we are all in different departments, we are all still part of one house. It's all about fulfilling the purpose of God. He now went on to Ephesians 11, where he talks about the life of religion. So the work of the fivefold ministry is to train every one of us, equip us, so that all of us can do the work of the ministry, because we are the ones to do the work. The fivefold ministry is supposed to equip us. So when you now talk to to the issue of unity, there is nowhere on earth where unity is not an issue. Whether it's in your marriage, you, you have issues with your wife and your husband, you have issues with your children, you have issues. So unity is not unification. We are going to have issues that will make one person not to agree, but in the midst of it all, the word of God is the focus of our relationship. So when you talk of unity, it is with reference to the word of God and the counsel of God, not with reference to your beliefs or your ideology. That I don't agree with you or your beliefs or your ideology does not mean I'm not a good person as long as I am in the word of God. the problem is that many of us, our beliefs and our ideologies are not in line with the word of God and we are all growing. So as we all grow to have the mind of Christ, the more we all mature to have the mind of Christ, the more our thinking and our ideologies and our beliefs, will line up with God and the more we'll become united. There is one unanswered prayer of Jesus, John 17, Lord, make them one as we are one and that is yet to be answered. But you and I, we are all going to make it A reality. So you that are asking the question, me that I'm answering the question, everyone that is listening to us, if we all make a commitment that wherever we find ourselves, the word of God and the purpose of God will be beyond and above our ideas, our beliefs and our likes and our dislikes. And we all submit to the will of God, whether we like it or not, that is how we all begin to move into the place of unity.
1: Thank you.
4: Thank you.
1: Hello, uh, it's uh, brother Morris here. just want to say thank you so much, uh Pastor Lumide for, for being with us this morning. Uh your, your words, um, you know, they, they've, they've really injected you know fire into us. My my, my question, sir, uh, was with the um issue of commitments. Um, how do we uh individually and as a church, um, when we see our commitments levels uh waning, how do we um how do we you know refire our commitment levels? And also to ask you personally you know, how do you keep your own uh, commitment levels high? Because we've seen you uh, these past years and every time you come, you know, you're, you're hot you're on fire, you have a word in season for us. So just how do we, you know, individually and as a body uh, keep up our commitment levels and how, how do you um, handle yourself personally keeping your commitment levels on fire high?
0: Okay, thank you very much. Um, it's a function of a, a lot of things, but let me say about three things that um, I feel we need to know. Number one, is by as a result of your personal relationship with god uh your personal relationship with god now i'm going i like using practical things the same question you're asking is a question we ask as couples how do you keep the fire of romance in your marriage how do you marry the same woman having sex with the same woman for 40 years 50 years when there are other women out there so how do you keep that fire it's the same thing so number one is relationship and in that relationship what keeps the relationship going is commitment I'm sorry it's communication so when you are in a relationship and you are finished like, oh, I, I don't like the way you are dressing or this thing I'm not feeling it. I want you to do this so that's what communi- communication is all about so number one is your relationship with God and the way your relationship with God is developed is communication what is communication prayer and studying the word of God so as you are praying every day don't see it as oh quiet time I have to pray oh if I don't pray God will just know you are developing your relationship with your God with your lover so it's called quiet time. Every morning, if you can't do it in the morning, this is the night that works for you. Find the time to pray to God and to read the Bible. So as you are reading the Bible, you are seeing new things. I've been privileged. It's, not by, it's, not, it's by grace. I've been privileged. And our church has been doing this now for 11 years. We read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation every year. This year, now we are using Amplify. Next year, we're going to use uh, um, NIV. So, every year we use a different translation. We read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It doesn't mean everybody will obey, but that's what I have been doing for about 30 years of my life. So, the more you read the Bible every day, this morning now, I've read my Bible, I've prayed. So, the more you read your Bible, the more you pray, you just begin to see different dimensions of the Word of God, different dimensions of things that will help you to grow. Number two, you need to put structure in your life. Structure now we're having a retreat now everybody needs to have a personal retreat now i am bringing this up in answering your question not to try to sound like a superhuman i'm not also a human being but as a pastor in our church we fast every week every Wednesday is fasting all our churches globally but as a pastor i can't fast only on wednesday when everybody's fasting so as a pastor i have to go beyond just one day so every week of the of my life i'm doing like three days so monday uh, sunday Fasting, Wednesday fasting, Friday fasting. Wednesday is for church, Friday is for family and sons and daughters all over the world. Sunday is for ministry. So you see how that so, and then every month I do three days dry fasting. Every month for almost 14 years now, every month. And I do retreats every month. So, and those three days is no eating, no drinking. I'm just studying the word, I'm listening to tape, I'm seeking God. There's no way you will do that, and you will not be, it's not you will pay the price for it. That is number two. So you need to have some disciplines. I read one book a week. I've read book this morning now. I've read. So you put it around structure, things that will keep you in line. You put it around yourself. And number three is association. The Bible, we always say, and they went to their own company. They went to their own company. You need to have friends that help you to be on fire for God. Your wife and husband is not enough. I'm not talking of your wife or husband. So apart from husband and wife, which is the number one, your wife will be able to tell you, hmm, you, have not done that. you have not done this. So, your husband and wife is nothing. But you need to have friends, covenant people, people that can call you out. As I'm here now, by the grace of God, I have people in my life that can say, you're be me. They sit down there. You are never forgetting. I don't agree with you. They call me by name. There's nothing like a pastor, bishop. There's nothing like that. No title. They call you by your name. They sit you down. They tell you so that your head will be correct. So you need people like that in your life. You need friends that your relationship is not about joining, going to viewing center to watch Arsenal. Your relationship is not about going uh, to the beach together or going to a restaurant to eat together. Your relationship is about praying together. In London, I have friends like that. And from them, they meet every week. I've, they've been doing this now almost 15. Every week, even in London there, they meet every week. They fast and pray together every week. So that when one person is in trouble, everybody can get So we need to, we cannot say because you're in the Western world and you're just me and my family. No, you need to have covenant friends whose relationship with you is about God. Let us help ourselves to grow. So you are reading books together. You are discussing the latest book. You are book of the month. You discuss the book. We meet once a month to discuss the book. You are meeting. If you can't do weekly, meet once a month. You have a book you are going to read. All of you meet once a month. You discuss the book and that's how you grow that's how you stay on fire because this world there will be distractions but when you put all these things in place your relationship with god so that the spirit of god can continue to guide you structures around your life to keep you in line
2: and relationship that's what will help you thank you thank you sir, thank you, sir. Uh, uh yeah I, I think we'll take one more question we finish we're going to our time. so
1: okay richard here uh, i would like to um ask a question um Doctor thank you very much for Um, you know, the enlightening things that you shared with us today. Um, What I would like to ask is that knowing this COVID um, conditions, I know that there are some departments and some ministries within the church who um, don't get to meet physically. And as a result, um, some aspects of their ministry is kind of quieted down. What to you are some of the suggestions you can give that um, um, departments of certain nature can do to regroup behind the scenes or use technology or whatever to still do ministry or enhance themselves until we get back to church to meet physically.
0: Okay. um, One of the things you need to understand when you look at the word of God is that all of us as children of God, we have all been called. And the calling of God upon our life is sevenfold. And these seven dimensions of the call of God upon our lives can never be affected with anything. Number one, We have been called to worship God. So COVID or no COVID, it doesn't stop your worship. (laughs) Number two, we have been called to serve God. So COVID or no COVID, it doesn't stop your service of God. You don't need to be in church to serve. Serving humanity is serving God. Number three, we have been called to pray. Prayer was not on lockdown. Worship was not on lockdown. Your faith is not on lockdown. (laughs) We have been called to win souls, COVID or no COVID. We're making phone calls. You were online chatting with people. You can win souls online. (laughs) We have been called to give, COVID or no COVID. (laughs) It doesn't stop your giving. You were buying food, you were still paying bills. So it doesn't stop your giving. Number six, we have been called to fulfill our purpose and our assignment on earth. So if you have discovered your purpose, and you have discovered your assignment, COVID does not stop you from doing that. And number seven, we have been called to be like Jesus, to be holy, to be like him. COVID does not stop that. So the sevenfold call of God upon everybody, everybody, that's the seven calling upon our life. COVID doesn't stop that. So when you now bring it down to departments, departments are just housekeeping jobs. It's like house chores. It's like in my house now, I tell my son, take out the trash. I tell my daughter, go and wash the plates or go and cook. I tell my son, go and wash the car. They are doing house chores. That does not mean that they will still not carry out their purpose and assignment out there. So when you are in the church, whatever you are doing, you are an usher, you are in choir. You are whatever department. If you are committed to ensure that it works, creativity will flow. We have seen concerts done online. So choir can still meet online, even today. We have listened to music. Even when I don't see you, you're working. We have enjoyed the worship. It's technology. We are still listening to it. so there is a, always a way. If you are an usher and there is no physical people to usher, when I came in here, there was the waiting room on Zoom. So as an usher, even in this one now, you can ask, okay, let's put this person on waiting room. Now I don't know who is coordinating this now. Who are the co-hosts? But there was okay, Pastor Me, does this person have questions? is muting and unmuting. That is ushering job, that is protocol job. <laughs> So all you need to do is to sit down and look at your department or your unit and ask yourself, why do we exist? How can we continue to do why we exist? So if you are a choir, why do we exist? You have to define that. Oh, we exist to help people to worship God, to lead people and to coordinate people to worship God. We exist to minister in songs and create an atmosphere of receptiveness in the church. You can still do that by technology. Oh, if you are in children's church, we exist to ensure that we take care of the children. Well, the children are going to school on Zoom. They are going to school by Google Class. You can now come up with Google curriculums and come up with all kinds of stuff online. Oh, we are a drama department in church. We exist to minister in drama. Oh, of course we can do drama. We can act it and do it like a movie. Even the whole movie has been shot using people's camera all over the world in the midst of COVID. So it's all about sitting down to be intentional and deliberate about that and when you begin to think if you make up your mind god will back up your mind so once you become creative about the things of god God, how do we do it it will just begin to flow okay you can do this membership class you can do it online now you can do membership curriculum do powerpoint and you do the membership class on zoom you can counsel people on zoom i do counseling it up through this month now every wednesday every friday i'm doing counseling yesterday i did counseling 30 minutes on zoom people from all over the book appointment, and I do the counseling on Zoom. So you have to know that we have to use timely technology to preach the timeless truth. Nothing can replace the local replace the local church. But we cannot run an analog ministry in a digital age. So we have to continue to be updated and upgrade. because if you are not informed, you'll be deformed. If you are not inspired, you will expire. If you are not updated, you'll be outdated. If you are not in the know, you cannot be in the flow. So we have to continue to look at how can we continue to preach the timeless truth using timeless uh, timely technology and that's the way it works so really it's all about sitting down thinking and being strategic and we can always do that but regardless of what we do in church those sevenfold ministry you really know where we are alive and you can achieve that with or without technology with or without
2: covid very much I, I think yeah um we'll be finishing very soon and um pastor i think uh, we will let you off now um but um thank see. you thank you very very much I mean, uh, it's been a long, long time since we had such seminars. <laughs> last time you came, you came to preach on a Sunday, gave came to preach, You. this time, hey, uh, you, you, you've talked. You've talked, that's very good. So we'll be we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, having you again, okay? Um, we'll, I no problem. You, uh, and take
0: so it uh, th- uh, thank you very much for having me. I, I appreciate you guys. I'm part of the family. And for everyone that has tuned in today, let's, let's be on fire for God. And in closing, I also want to say that... Um, um, you can go to my website, www.olumideemanual.org Um, I released, I, I, turned 50 in the month of May and mm-hmm. I've released some materials that are free. Uh, so I have some books that are free that you can go and download 50 common money mistakes to avoid, olumideemanual not olumideemanual.org Olumide <laughs> 50 common money mistakes to avoid, how to avoid a financial pandemic in your life is free. Number two is 50 things you should never take for granted. 50 things you should never take for granted. It's also available free. And then bridging the gap between the rich and the poor is an audio program, it's free. And then how to create your success stories. Also, an audio program is free. So all these materials are free on my website, olumideimmanuel.org. Secondly, we have started a TV station. We now have a 24 hour uh, cable TV station. It's a 24 hour TV station oh. on cable, is called on Freeview Africa, 24 hour TV station online and on YouTube. So if you go to cstelevision.tv, cstelevision.tv, you'll see us there. And then if you go to Common Sense Television on YouTube, we are there for 24 hours. It's, a, it's not a religious um, TV station, so don't expect preachings when you get there. It's a kingdom TV station. It's the one-stop center for relationship, finance and leadership. So it's not a religious station. So when you get there and you see us doing this, don't think that it's not a Christian station. <laughs> so, <and> if, <laughs> so you can you can visit us um, on that. And yeah. finally, our Entrepreneurship Academy has now gone global. So we now have the online Entrepreneurship Academy at uh, tacademy.ng. T, T, as in letter T, yeah. E, and then Academy. So T, E, Academy, the right. Entrepreneurship Academy. Teacademy.ng. Right. So it's an online platform where you can go for an entrepreneurship school, world class curriculum, world class facilitators, and world class certification. So you can visit there and take advantage of all the opportunity. And then follow me on all my social media platforms. On Instagram and Twitter is at Olumid Emmanuel. At Olumid Emmanuel. And on Facebook is at Olumide.Emmanuel. Olumide.Emmanuel. So that we can all stay together and grow together. Thank you very much. God bless you. I appreciate you all.
2: Thank you very much. God bless, Pastor. I'll talk to you later. Say bye bye. Let's say bye bye to Pastor. We are not. We're not finished yet. Say, don't go. He, he's just being an excuse to go. Bye so. bye, 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 sir. Thank you, Thank you. Know. Oh, yes. we have not finished yet. That's my finish. Thank you. Bye bye.
5: Thank
2: bye. you. Bye bye. Bye. Um, thank you very much, and um, we. Uh, we want to finish off today and thank you for being on it. Now, let me say a couple of things to you. I think uh, some of the um, questions that have been asked are very good questions and uh, the answers are very good. And I want to say that um, I hope you, you've you learned a lot, um, you know, um, just um, to uh, for those who are not um, members of any team in the church. We would like you to register. Um, Join a department. Join a department, and um, and also uh, we'll come back to you regarding few things concerning uh, ministries and and how activities online will go for. Because a uh, few things that we have suspended because of COVID, and we don't we uh, we're going back to the, all those again, and um, you know, and I so um, so I'm so thankful to God for this um, seminar. Um, Departmental Heads, I would like to say to you, and um, um, I don't know if you want want to say anything at all.
5: Can I say this? Um, You know, what is coming to me is that the Bible says that it's not um, the hearers that will be satisfied, but also the doers. You know, it's a moment that we have received something that is so powerful. But I don't think today is the first time we are hearing some of the things we heard. But what to do with is very important. And I always say that um, Kentucky um, staff will not go and brag about uh, McDonald's. And for Dominion Center to go forth, you know, we have to also look at ourselves, especially leaders who have taken positions you have to sit down and take inventory. That's what you're doing. Are you doing it? Are you committed to that? And in case maybe you don't want to do it, then let's give other people also the chance so that the church will go uh, grow. Because because of my position, I know, you know there are certain things you, like uh, Pastor Ulamide was saying, we are being diplomatic about it, where if it's not going forward, we, we don't want to say anything because we don't want to offend people. But like he rightly said, Jesus Christ was saying that I'm very busy doing my father's business if you don't see the church as god's business then we do it anyhow so as leaders we have to sit down and check what you're doing if you need to you know come up a little bit stretch yourself to do it you know we're asking some questions we knew the answer already but obviously we want to refresh our minds so after this please, please 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 um you know provoking you and i'm begging you it's not only Pastor Sam or Pastor Betty or Minister Femi. All of us, we have to put our hands together and see that the Kingdom of God and also a local church as Dominion Center will go forth and bring glory to
2: God's name. That's all that I would say. Yeah, I think uh, most of the things that have been said are things that have been mentioned before, and I think it's good to hear from other other quarters when they come like that so strongly. So I I, I just feel. Um, we know of these things. Some of the questions that we asking, we, we, knew, we knew the answers, but we just ask for the sake of others as well, because uh, we have to make sure that uh, there are a lot of things that we can do for the Lord and, um, and, and, and leaders, people should come with ideas and um, all the things that we need to do. So uh, let's help out in the church and uh, we use, use our talents to, to help the kingdom of God. Let's use that. We have talents that we go out there. We, we are up there. Let's use them in church. You know, don't, I mean, sometimes you, you want an opportunity to be created for you. Don't wait for somebody to, the church to say, we'll do this. Come up with them. Come and say that, uh, you know, there's something that you can come and say, Pastor, I want to start this um, Let's uh, in the church. Let's sit down and, and let's see how we can get it done and all that. Come, come. And also some things that you can do without our permission and, and all that. Just yes, for the kingdom. So uh, please don't wait for somebody to tell you to do this or to do that, to make you a leader to do this or that. You can do a lot of things for the kingdom. And I think it's been very, very um, encouraging. And so um, uh, thank you very much for today. Uh, Let's share in the grace before we all depart. Thank you. If there's nothing else anybody would like to say, I would like to say that. Let's just share the grace. And I love you very much. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure you've been empowered. This one will take you to the next level in your life. Amen. All right, so let's share the grace as we go. Are we all together in unison? Yeah. Keep yourself. Let's do it.
3: May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ
2: be the love of God the fish be the Holy Spirit.
3: Amen.
2: Amen. Lordness,
1: the Thank you. Sir. Thank you very
2: much. God bless
3: you. Thank,
2: Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, God bless you.